Hello and welcome to Think Fit Be Fit podcast. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast where we believe that effective exercise requires thinking and connecting deeper with your exercise. I have a wonderful month of podcasts planned out to help people drop the dogma about the core. So (laughs) it's just funny to me that it's not well researched, it's not well defined, even in our textbooks, our textbooks meaning I guess anatomy and physiology, and uh, I have a guest today that is going to help us dive deep into it, and when I say deep, I mean the deepest part. (laughs) Um, And it's just... Um, one, it's, it's, it's important for overall health and it's also important, um, to bring into a performance mindset as well, because we're talking about something that we do every single minute of the day and that we don't usually think about too hard. So, uh, the idea is that we're going to learn more about the core so that we don't have to rely on really shallow information (laughs) about just endless crunches and side planks and whatnot. So uh, my guest today is Noelle Economico, or ooh. Economico. God damn it. (laughs) Like economy, but economo. (laughs) This has been going on for two years. It's a saga. Uh, It's okay. um, And she is one of my esteemed colleagues in Alexandria, Virginia, and works within my own professional network that I send my clients to and vice versa. I've learned so much from her and her colleagues over the few years that we've been involved and without further ado please introduce yourself and also how to get in touch yes so I'm Noelle Economou I am a doctor of physical therapy here in Alexandria Virginia with one-to-one physical therapy and we um, specialize in postural restoration and in breathing and diaphragm and that's kind of what we're going to get into a little bit more of today is how our diaphragm is the core of the core and in order to get in touch with us you can find us just by um, googling one-to-one physical therapy or it's um, www.one the number two one physical therapy.com and that can bring up our website. Okay, great. I um, also think it's notable that you are a pelvic floor specialist, which I think is a good transition into like the bigger meaty part of the conversation, which is why do we call, why are we using this term core of the core? And what, I guess, what's the connection of pelvic floor health and the whole entire diaphragm um, I'd also love to get into what we were talking about before, which was suboptimal breathing. Mm-hmm. I think you can just take it from there. Awesome. So I love the, the opening talk, you know, what is our core? I think so many people don't really understand what makes up our core. And people just think about wanting really strong abs and you know wanting a six pack or a really toned flat stomach, but people don't really understand what makes up our core. 
And for me, the most important part about our core is actually um, not what's on just on the front of our core, which is our abs, but looking at the entire, I, I think about the core as a cylinder. Um, so if you picture like a cylinder, like a water bottle, on the roof, you have your diaphragm. On the floor, you have your pelvic floor diaphragm, and it's the respiratory diaphragm on the top and the pelvic floor diaphragm on the bottom. And then on the front, we do have our abdominal muscles, but the most important abdominal muscle is actually for core strength and for stability and for um, keeping, our, uh, keeping our body healthy is our transversus abdominis and our internal obliques, in my opinion, I add the internal obliques in there, because um, they work together kind of um, to create that corset type of feeling um, in, in the front of our body. And then in the back of our body, which we're not going to go into very much today for this podcast, we have um, our back muscles and specifically um, the most important ones for the core, the multifidi, kind of really little um, stabilizing muscles that kind of connect each vertebrae together. And so the most important part and what I don't think is understood about the core and the importance of the core is it's not only there to help strengthen, but it's there to regulate pressure gradients and to regulate um, strength and tension within our body. And we want a good, and that's why the diaphragm is so important because it acts as a pump between our thoracic cavity and our abdominal cavity. And we want those pressure gradients to be regulated in order to have good diaphragmatic breathing and good diaphragmatic breathing and good um, length and tension between our diaphragm and our abdominal muscles ends up um, leading us to be a higher performance athlete, a higher performance human being because our breathing is better and it also helps to um, or improve our parasympathetic tone in our body which is our like rest and relaxation versus sympathetic overdrive is kind of our stress response of our body that we're trying to reduce because we don't want as much of, as much stress in our body because um, that is what can lead to pain and dysfunction and all those other types of things that we're trying to prevent. Hmm. Um, so listeners, okay, put yourself in a little, um, like you're looking at a skeleton and imagine if the ribs are collapsed and the shoulders are collapsed, meaning like you're leaning over, and just ponder for a second how that heavy rib cage and all of those organs stay in place. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not, like gravity is constantly fighting us. That is something we don't have to think about because our bodies, our, mm, our engineering is pretty amazing and that's like the understatement of the year but just imagine all these things like collapsing and I've read so I come from the world of like movement mechanics and joint mechanics and the hips are supposed to hold about 60% of our body weight at any given motions and walking I would probably throw out Uh, high intensity athletic emotions in that but if we're just talking about walking and like moving against gravity they're designed for holding about 60% of our weight and so imagine if that rib cage is flopping over to one side and this and that and it's not able to stabilize while we're breathing that's 
kind of where we're going with this and that's where um, things can get uh, out of whack, messy. Um, when you're putting too much load on your hips, yeah. that can lead to a pelvic floor dysfunction, kind of tying that all together. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, part of my job in the in the podcast-ess <laughs> role that I play is always trying to bring a picture to it. Right. And so, <laughs> like, just imagine a you know, um, a visibly crooked person, right? And or a bent over person. A bent over person. You know, they potentially have pelvic floor diaphragm dysfunction. Back pain. Back pain, yeah. So, pain, kind of anything. Yeah. So I'm bringing this to the podcast in, like, the fitness uh, world, the sphere, because... I think a lot of this gets skipped over in low back rehab. I think a lot of this stuff could be really useful for women that are mothers um, or planning to be mothers. I think this could be information that could help weightlifters. I think it could help powerlifters. Um, I think it could help uh, military uh folk that you know maybe have to have wear a harness and jump out of things or running a lot I think it could help runners I think it can help everybody oh yeah because we all have a diaphragm <laughs> we all we all have a diaphragm we all need to learn how to breathe correctly because many of us are not breathing we're ha- we have inefficient breathing and that leads to more stress and anxiety within our body because it leads to that sympathetic overdrive, that stress response of our body, that anxiety, um, just to kind of Mm. um, paint that picture for you. If you're not breathing correctly and you're over breathing, Mm -hmm. then it will, it will, uh, the blood gas levels of your body, the physiology of that, of your blood actually changes and that can lead to anxiety and Mm. We definitely don't need any more of that right now. And that's why <laughs> breathing exercises are so common for reducing anxiety. Mm. But what, 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 you know, simple breathing apps and those sorts of things don't tie in, um, which I think um, there's a place for some of those relaxed nasal breathing. But mm. what I speciali- specialize in more is how to reposition mm. that diaphragm so that it's able to help support your body structurally better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and so I actually use both of those techniques mm. for, for diaphragmatic breathing. Yeah, and like, also this, it's a huge muscle. Like, <laughs> it's arguably the, the most important, one of the most important muscles. Um, yeah, and so and it keeps us alive. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> and it keeps us from collapsing against gravity. Yeah, yeah. So to, I guess to paint you a picture of of the diaphragm, it it's it's held right if you kind of um, put your hands right at the lower edges of your rib cage, um, and you kind of hook your fingers underneath and around your rib cage. Um, you can actually feel, well, the outer, the outer part, the fascia, the myofascia, um, kind of surrounding that diaphragm, but that diaphragm is tucked right underneath there. And actually, if you place your hands there and you kind of feel around, 
you may notice, oh wow, I'm tender in this area, or I might have even little trigger points. I do a lot of trigger point release around this area to help open up our diaphragm. Um, or if you have ever had any rib pain or that sort of thing, that's another indication for you that that diaphragm needs work. Um, and what that diaphragm does is it acts like a pump, or if you want to picture a trampoline. Um, so going from one extreme to the other extreme, the trampoline domes up, and then it sinks all the way in, and it passes through the middle at some point, kind of where it would be at the flattest range. Mm. And the diaphragm does that exact same thing, and, and that pumping going from the extreme dome um, to the reversal kind of like sinking in, like lowering down into the bottom of a pool, um, we, that, um, we want full excursion of that diaphragm to go from one extreme to the other extreme. We don't want that diaphragm to hang out kind of in that middle range. If you can picture um, taking a trampoline and pulling it too far um, tight, too mm. far out mm. and spread, mm -hmm. and the trampoline kind of gets hard and flattens, you're not going to jump as high, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. going to go through a smaller excursion range um, if it's too flat and too tight and rigid. Um, and the exact same thing can happen to our diaphragms in our body. We don't realize that our diaphragms can can do that, and then you're not getting through that efficient range. It's not doming up all the way high and releasing all the way low. And when that diaphragm is hanging out in that middle range and not going through its full range, that's when you have a lot of dysfunction. Mm. Um, and I guess the mo one of the most important ones is actually back pain mm -hmm. too. Um, I know that you see this a lot with your clients. Yeah. You work a lot with a lot of people with back pain and yeah. a lot of breathing work. Well, it's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to help people that don't want to go back to physical therapy or to the surgeon or, right. and so I'd say 90% of my clients have been to physical therapy once or twice in three years, right? Easily. Not for, not two visits, like rounds, right? right? <laughs> and I always ask if they have low back, if they're dealing, if they're having uh, back, uh, SI, meaning uh, like your butt, like sacroiliac, even nerve dysfunction um, in the sciatica area, sciatica area, sciatic area, um, <laughs> that if, if the physical therapist they worked with mentioned any type of breathing, and most of the time, I'd say uh, almost all of the time, it's a no. Yeah. It's a very, it's yeah, it's very missed. And as the audience um, should pick up on, I don't travel on the road that most people take. I'm, I believe that, you know, physical therapy, physical medicine, hands-on healthcare needs one-to-one -one work. And in the physical therapy conventional model, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, more clinic, type of atmosphere where there's a lot of people in the same room. It's almost like a gym, at, like a yeah. gym yeah. sports atmosphere. Yeah, it reminds me of the athletic training room. Right. And one and people are hopping around to different patients, and it's just not – it might be efficient money-wise, but it's not efficient for the patient and time. So – You're not truly getting yeah. to the bottom of, of your dysfunction, no. which is why the – what you do, what I do, we do all one-on-one -on -one work. Yeah. You're doing all one-on-one -on -one work. 
that's so so important yeah especially for rehabbing the back and even the shoulder and the neck Mm -hmm. the diaphragm and what it's misunderstood and what it's missed a lot Mm -hmm. of the time is the relationship between the diaphragm and the spine Mm -hmm. the diaphragm actually inserts right into on the right side it goes from l1 to l3 and it's um crura and it's and it's attachment points and on the left side it goes from l1 to l2 so um, that's your lumbar vertebrae so it's 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 intertwined right within your spine and it's also intertwined right with your psoas muscle i know that's kind of a big height muscle that a lot of people know about Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I have people come into my office all the time like, my last therapist told me my psoas was tight. And what, you know, you can go in there and you can do manual releases, but the best way to actually inhibit the psoas is through breathing because the psoas and the diaphragm are, their, their attachment points are actually interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder of the, the breathing technique that we did together and mm-hmm. what I use, the Postural Restoration Institute, um, Ron Hareska is the founder of that. He's a physical therapist, and he's went and dissected um, a lot of cadavers. And physically, he said you can you cannot separate the psoas tendons from the diaphragm tendons. Like they're almost one and the same. So they really have a huge influence on each other. So, and what happens is if you have um, when we were talking about that trampoline, if your trampoline becomes more rigid and flat, mm-hmm. that actually um, tightens up in your psoas Mm. and it can create an anterior a forward pull Mm -hmm. on your spine and that's what leads to your back pain Mm. yeah yeah it's I mean it's um, pretty significant that this is skipped over in most protocols like I that's that's the main takeaway for sure if because it's not like we're expecting you to retain a lot of anatomy information but it's really important that you understand that there is a deeper meaning to all of this which is this is how your body is structured right and it has a natural asymmetry um, based on what you just said about you know where the diaphragm and so as insert insert and interconnect and that piece about the cadavers is really interesting because most anatomy textbooks haven't been updated for modern findings Mm -hmm. in cadavers. So for one person to write, contribute to an anatomy textbook, they would probably have to dissect well over 50 cadavers and take some type of... um, and documentation of not abnormal findings, but a thing, just differences between one specimen and the other. And you guys, that's not really done. Like our textbooks that most of the medical community have been educated on aren't really there. Right. And that's... <laughs> In PT school, so what is a hard fact now... Yeah. Um, is that your the diaphragm is actually bigger on the right side than on the left side. Mm-hmm. And we have more attachments on the right side and then on the left side. We also have a huge liver that sits up on our right side that's not underneath the left side of our diaphragm. So it creates this asymmetry. And 
this was not talked about in my physical therapy school. Yeah. We did not learn that the left side of the diaphragm and the right side of the diaphragm are different in size and <laughs> performance. And you can't see Noelle, but she's not old by any stretch. Like, this wasn't that long ago. No. Yeah. I'm like, how did, like, and we never talked about how the psoas and the diaphragm relate to each other. Mm. So if you don't go out and get extra training on this, mm-hmm. you don't know. And that's why I'm sure you have people walking into your office and I all the time what I went to physical therapy and I doing all my core exercises but Mm -hmm. my back still hurts Mm -hmm. so then you know there's all this thought that oh maybe you don't even need core exercises for back pain and that sort of thing but that's why I I truly believe the diaphragm the core of the core is the diaphragm and if you miss the diaphragm piece if you're not training the diaphragm with the rest of the core muscles you're not going to get better Mm. And that's 110% why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is super valuable information. Uh, so this is a great time to, to pivot a little bit. Um, so what blew my mind with our conversations about this is suboptimal breathing. And then I think it would be a great segue into the exercises that can be used uh we can talk through what we did together and yeah i think that's that would be great yeah so suboptimal breathing um and there's a lot of different types of suboptimal breathing but i'll just go through the most common one the most common that i see probably over 75 percent of clients have are over breathing mm-hmm. Um, we're breathing too quickly and too shallow, um, and we're over inhaling. So um, if you kind of think about your, your breath getting faster, this happens at times of stress and anxiety. So if you have any stress in your life, chances are you're over breathing. Um, and we really should only be breathing about eight to 10 breaths a minute. Mm. So think about that. Yeah. And you can actually time yourself. You can take your own respiratory rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you can so just put out a timer for 60 seconds and um, just calmly place your hand on your chest. And you can time. And it's hard when you're doing it to yourself. So maybe you can have somebody else look at you. And you can time yourself and see, am I over-breathing? Am I over-breathing those 8 to 10 breaths? And what happens when you're breathing too quickly is kind of circling back to what I said in the beginning is you are increasing your fight or flight system and increasing that anxiety or response and you're changing your blood gas levels mm-hmm. and you're also flattening that diaphragm in mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. at the same time um, it's not going through its full excursion so we it's really 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 important to take your diaphragm through those excursions and the most important thing that you want to do is you want to focus on more exhales Mm. um, and pausing after our exhales. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you picture that trampoline, like I said again, um, we want want that spring of the Mm -hmm. trampoline to dome upwards. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what creates that, um, that the, that's what drives the pressure gradient system through our thoracic cavity and our abdominal cavity and that's what drives actually air into our lungs is that Mm -hmm. spring up Mm. Um, and that's actually when the diaphragm is working eccentrically and it's it's more of like a relaxed um, 
work. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, the diaphragm, when you exhale is when it domes up. When you inhale, it's when it flattens and goes in that reverse direction, kind of um, spilling yeah. down towards the floor. So we want to focus on long exhales and long pauses because the moment you can get that diaphragm to dome as high as you can get it, you're going to have relaxation of your body mm. and you're going to feel more relaxed. I um, Okay, so... Um... I want to go through a couple different like buzzwords and methods that I've heard about, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about my 90-90 breathing experience because mm -hmm. I felt all that stuff she just mentioned, and it's <laughs> definitely worth checking out um, as an exercise. Uh, the first thing is suboptimal breathing and exercise. So once you start the gas pedal on your exercise and your tempo starts to build whatever the whatever you're doing whether mm -hmm. it's climbing a rock or doing yoga or doing whatever weightlifting weightlifting yeah uh strength training running the exchange of gases is so important oxidative stress is one of i guess i would say the amount of oxidative stress is one of the main determinants of the how your body's going to respond to exercise and getting, period and getting blood into the muscle tissue that you're trying to strengthen at that point yep and so more oxidative stress potentially just by not by the design of the exercise but by the inefficiency of the breathing patterns is not healthy how many times right how many times have you gone to a gym and see see people weightlifting holding their breath their faces are bright red they're holding their breath or they're yeah like, they're like really well maybe the selfie game has changed that a little maybe. bit <laughs> yeah everybody's like i'm cool um but potentially not um so that's only you know five minutes of their workout is the selfie game but um yeah no that's totally what I see all the time yeah. is people holding their breath trying to do exercises <laughs> they're concentrating so hard and they forget to breathe yes 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 and um, so it's th that's the that's a huge takeaway for you guys. Um, so, um, okay, as far as breathing exercises, I've heard of box breathing, uh, which well, it's just one of my personal faves um, that I do for. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Actually. Oh, it's just uh, we call it a box. It's inhale, hold, exhale hold mm -hmm. inhale hold in yeah and that has the pauses yeah those. yeah and that's more for um that's more meditation for me yeah. that really helps mm -hmm. me dial in and get started on my meditation workout um everything's a workout here <laughs> and um and then so i've done i've heard of that done that been doing that for a while and then there's something called the buteco buteco mm -hmm. method which I do with my clients. You do as with well. what's did I say that correctly? Buteco. Buteco. How I pronounce okay. it. Okay. And I've definitely um, told people about that. So you've done that with your with your patients. And just so yeah. people listeners, it's B U Y T E K O if you uh -huh. want to look that breathing technique up. Yes. Um, and I'll link to the book where I found it, which is called The Oxygen Advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh I, I've if you read through like people's Amazon reviews of that, they're like, this is literally life changing. Mm -hmm. I honestly think just timing your breath 
for that eight, looking for that eight, where your breathing rate is. Mm-hmm. I think that could change, just by that would be life changing because your perspective on how your body functions right. will probably change immediately. Right. Um, so, and then there's um, the Wim Hof methods. Um, I've just experienced that as a student, not as a fitness professional student, but on the learning side of it. Is that something you use as well? I don't use the Wim Hof. I'm not as familiar with that mm-hmm. as I do more of the Buteco breathing. Okay. And that's um, nose versus mouth mainly, like the Buteco method? The Buteco method is all nasal breathing. Okay. Yeah, so I kind of use yeah. the Buteco method in conjunction with the PRI, and I call it more of like a, your posture breathing, kind of exercise breathing, mm-hmm. um, is what I took you through in the 90-90 position, mm-hmm. whereas the Buteco breathing is, is kind of more for meditation. It's more mm-hmm. for like getting you to nasally breathe, because that's also super important, especially if you have allergies. If you have any trouble breathing out of your nose, you're not an efficient breather mm. and you and that really I huge with my patients I make sure that they get an ENT consult if they need or um there's a whole lot of things yeah and that's that, that has dentist to do yeah or, dentist yeah. yeah so um but that's you know trying to get you to nasally breathe and it's similar to your box breathing where you're mm-hmm. trying to find pauses and more mm-hmm. relaxation in order to slow down your breathing rate um, especially if you're breathing like 20 breaths a minute to mm-hmm. try to slow that down. Um, I think uh, if you guys have ever seen people on Instagram with tape on their mouth, yes. like they're you, they're pl- kind of plugged into what we're talking about right. is my assumption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taping um, your lips at night. Yeah. Not, yeah. Super important. <laughs> because you actually, um, you oxygenate your blood much more when you breathe through your nose and when you breathe through your mouth. And people think, oh, I'm getting more air in if I breathe through my mouth, but it's not going through the fil- like the filtering process mm. that you need for nasal breathing, and it's not getting the correct blood gas exchange when yeah. you're mouth breathing. And this has direct uh, implications for what we're dealing with with the COVID and the virus. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, if, and for sleep... Mm-hmm. Sleep apnea, mm-hmm. snoring, all that sort of thing. If you're a snorer, if you have sleep apnea, then nasaling, nasal breathing is 100% something that you need to look into mm. um, and taping your lips at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, read the book <laughs> or yeah. consult with a healthcare yeah, practitioner. Consult, yeah. Consult, yeah, consult with... Um, consult with me yeah. about, about that. We work with a lot of clients with that. Um, and then... Uh, what um so before we get into the ninety ninety exercise, is there anything else I missed? We missed with suboptimal breathing. I think we covered a lot in like ten minutes. I know we did. <laughs> um, I guess the only thing do do we want to go into pelvic floor now or later? I think that's the one kind of anatomy piece I didn't touch on as much. Um no let's do, let's do the ninety ninety first because okay. I because where I had my most difficulty was lifting the pelvis yeah so I think that goes right into right what the pelvic floor I mean literally next Mm -hmm. to it right so (laughs) um so about a few weeks ago we recorded a virtual session and I was the patient the asymptomatic patient and Noel was my virtual P 
PT practitioner. We went through a breathing exercise called the 90-90 breathing exercise, right? Yeah, yeah. 90-90 hip lift, I think. A 90-90 hip lift. And it involves a balloon. The goal is to create resistance for the exhale. Correct. Yeah. Using the balloon. Using the balloon. And the explanation and the coaching of it took about 20 minutes. The actual exercise that I can do on my own, which I have been, um, it takes me about four to five minutes, and I'm doing three rounds. Good. Okay. Three rounds into the balloon. It's like four breaths into the balloon. Yeah, and just kind of hang. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, just hang out. And, um, you know, I really like to... I, I, no shocker here. I'm really thinking and connecting while I'm exercising. So yeah. it might take me longer than yeah. another person. But I can spend 10 minutes, okay. 15 minutes in that 90-90 <laughs> position. It does. It feels nice and you feel things relaxing and releasing. And it's, um, you know, I'm never going to argue against spending time with your movement and breath, right? <laughs> um, so... I guess go ahead and um, I found it. I found some weaknesses. I could I could feel where my weak chains were in this exercise, and obviously I'm kinesthetically aware, but I don't think it's a far stretch to say anybody could have a similar experience, even if they're asymptomatic. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it this is a hard hard exercise to do. And actually before I got, so the 90-90 is where you're laying on your back and you're putting your feet up on the wall and you're Mm -hmm. making a 90 degree angle with your knees and with your hips. Um, But before I had Jen do that position, I actually just wanted to make sure she could blow up the balloon just in a sitting position. Mm -hmm. Um, Because just being able to blow up a balloon is challenging for, I want to say about 60% of my patients, Mm -hmm. if not more. because well they're I patients do, they're usually symptomatic right yeah exactly so they so general public it's different but for patients symptomatic people i know i have a, a skewed mm-hmm. um you know patient population so um and i i think your face got a little red trying to blow that blue it was it's harder yeah. than it looks yeah yeah and if i just anecdotally if i go sometimes i go like three weeks Maybe I forget for a month to blow up the balloon. I'm still doing other exercise, and then I go to blow up the balloon, and it's physically, it feels like 10 times harder. Mm. And so I know that I've been under more stress, and it's harder for me to exhale. And basically blowing into the balloon requires a really forceful exhale, and what you're forcing is you're forcing that diaphragm to dome upwards. Mm. So that's the main, the, the main goal and we believe that you can't fully inhale until you fully exhale. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a full exhale in order to have an efficient inhale. And that's why we always go to the exhale first. And also exhaling is like, ah, relaxing. Whereas inhale is like, ah, like mm. you're, you're breathing in, you're tensing. So we always want to focus on that exhale more. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we did. And we got Jen into that, that 90-90 position after we could make sure she could blow up the balloon and, you, and we're adding a pelvic tilt into it. And the whole focus of this exercise and why this breathing technique is different from a Buteco or a Wim Hof is because we're adding a muscle, we're going through a, a, a weak muscle chain. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to co-contract our diaphragm 
with our internal obliques and transverse abdominis and with our hamstrings mm. in the 99 felt position. the hamstring piece big time yeah, yeah which is good and that's what a lot of people have the most trouble with is feeling their hamstrings yeah i mean that's because yeah. a lot of us are quad dominant mm-hmm. we've got a lot of hip flexor tightness mm-hmm. um and we don't, we're not grounded through our heels and through our hamstrings. Yeah, to, yeah, I, I, that last one I could definitely relate to. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I, and I've been doing it before uh, some exercise sessions. I did it the other day just to relax, and mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was very parasympathetic esque, and um, yeah, I'm gonna keep it around, and I'm gonna share that video with my clients for sure um if anything to you know help promote this uh you know deep connection to our anatomy and taking taking the road less traveled to being strong which is focusing on very functional things to our day-to-day um and using it maybe as a screening process to see how they can um, work with you right. or especially with the pelvic floor piece because um, can you tell a little bit about pelvic floor health and uh, what that actually right. means? Because So w- the diaphragm, the respiratory diaphragm and the pelvic floor diaphragm communicate together. Uh-huh. They work together and actually when they're not working together is when you're going to have dysfunction. But when that diaphragm domes up, like I've been talking about with the exhale, our respite, or our pelvic floor diaphragm also lifts. So we want our pelvic floor to be lifted um, because when our pelvic floor drops, mm-hmm. kind of sinks down with gravity, that's when you're gonna feel pressure down there and that's when you're gonna um, have s- symptoms for like urinary incontinence or prolapse or um, any of those sorts of things. And also when that pelvic floor diaphragm is dropped, you're also, the, the pressure gradients aren't regulated between your um, stomach and your abdominal cavity and your thoracic cavity, and that can lead to um, like digestive problems as mm. well. So the whole goal when, with for me when retraining the pelvis is to get that diaphragm lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, we want we want our diaphragm lifted in, or our, or sorry, our pelvic floor diaphragm to be lifted in that correct position, so that. We are functioning um, in a more neutral, um, relaxed state of those muscles because when the diaphragm is dropped, you're having to work harder. So much harder. Hip in those problems. muscles, it creates yeah, it creates hip problems, back pain, Knees. SI pain. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, the whole point in, in you have to get the diaphragm repositioned the pelvic floor diaphragm and the respiratory diaphragm working together and we call it repositioning. We have to get everything into its best, most um, lifted position before you wanna do any strengthening exercises. So like forget Kegels for the first few weeks, if not a month, if you Mm -hmm. can't get the hamstrings activated with the core and with your breathing, then your pelvic floor is not gonna have a shot at being um, functional for Mm -hmm. you. Um, so these are all, I mean, this is, this is so much information. It's all tied together. It's all tied together. So and you gotta know. I feel like we went on an exploration of the deep parts of our body, you know, mm-hmm. and 
again, you guys, like crunches, kegels, <laughs> side planks aren't going to be helpful or even measurable um, or effective. If, you're, yeah. if your diaphragm, if your pelvic floor diaphragm and your respiratory diaphragm aren't in its efficient yeah. domed position, and this goes, position. Yeah, this goes for, I mean, I've worked with a lot of football players. Um, I've worked with a lot of high-performance athletes. You wouldn't look at them and say, damn, their breathing sucks. Uh, but, you know, guess what? I, I, if, I, if I'm using the trunk as the main area that we're working on and I start picking up on these suboptimal breathing patterns and bracing and chest, yeah. uh, high chest breathing, um, I call it the gasp, but like, <gasps> yeah. like if, you, if I see that going on, I have to coach them through a few breaths before anything else happens in our session. And then now I have a little video to give them. And, you know, this is like a new paradigm of physical medicine, really. Not that I'm going to be teaching physical medicine in this way, but, you know, I'm really glad to have you. This is definitely you. for trainers, yeah. 100%. Yeah. We use this for, like, when should you do these breathing exercises a lot of times I give it to people before, mm -hmm. to in an exercise before they're gonna go out and train to get, again, like what I said, we wanna reposition the diaphragm and the core and activate certain muscles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're you're all about the muscle activation before you go out and do mm -hmm. any sort of high level training. And then a lot of times at the very end, some people need that recovery again, especially if you're in back pain or you're worried about um, if you did something wrong during mm -hmm. your training, mm -hmm. it's a great, they're great exercises. And that 90-90 is one of them for recovery as well. Yeah, like I could see cool that. Down. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Um, then I do have two professional curiosity mm -hmm. questions um, before we wrap this up, because I think we did a stellar job. Yeah. Th thanks, guys. Thanks for letting us know. Um, <laughs> um, there's nobody here. Just kidding. Um, um, so I'm interested to know how these things get measured in research because you've sent me some, you sent me some about two papers and, um, if you think it's appropriate, I'll share them in the show notes, yeah, of course. especially that, um, so I'm wondering, um, are in research that is looking at the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, and I guess they definitely look at low we back need, pain. We need the, the we research. Need more. We need more. The, the answer to yeah. your question is... So I'm wondering, what could we measure gas exchange and be able to make correlations? Can we measure parasympathetic activity? And we make, should. We should. They're, and, not, they're not out there, and that's kind of the problem, is that we need the research to catch up with these exercises you know with everything yeah. I've just I've, I've I think about that a lot because you and I are both believers in, in that sorry I just dropped something that was that noise <laughs> um you and I are both believers in this innate human intelligence mm -hmm. like there's so much wisdom and power and beautiful uh engineering below the surface that we can't see or feel necessarily We've known, you and I know this, and you grew up with a mother in physical therapy and PRI, and um, I think 
the science is starting to wade us in that direction, paddle very slowly in a broken kayak in that direction. <laughs> like, Great um, visual. Yeah, it's like, you know, and we're starting to get there. We're starting to have these conversations right. about, gosh, energy, proton structure. Her face just lit up because we're this is our stuff. Love it, love it. Don't <laughs> um, even get me going on energy. <laughs> well, that's where we're, I mean, that's the next podcast we're going to have with, you know, you guys at One to One is about talking movement. about the energy exchanges. and But it's the same thing with this breathing stuff. It's not there in the research. And there, there are... I've stumbled across some more articles, but um, but it just it has a long long way to go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we always want to know uh, thinkers, think fitters, <laughs> what we can measure, you know. And do they use the the Sherman's test with this stuff with the, the blood pressure cuff underneath the back? Mm, I think a lot of some of them. That's more of a core endurance. Some of them are doing like the forceful like exhales. Like, yeah. Um, I don't. I. It's a good question. So what is really important to take away is that you can do these at home breathing exercises. You can track your progress with you know just checking in on your breathing rate right um and can I would you blow up a balloon can, it's a great that's a, so functional super great yeah posture i would bet if you worked on this for about two months you would see a change like a you could take a before sure. and after picture for sure because you know you have more support um and then i guess the other thing would be um oh shoot it was right in my little brain um, <laughs> definitely the, I mean the 90, 90, like, like you said, if, even if you don't return to it, you can feel, but I, um, I think one of the biggest things that you can take away from this is to exhale more. Yeah. To exhale more. Ah, <laughs> blow out, breathe, um, exhale during your exercises. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you pick up on this suboptimal breathing, I'd say, contact Noelle. She will have the resources. I mean, we're talking about a couple sessions. If you're asymptomatic, but you pick up on your breathing right. suboptimal. This is going to help your performance. It's going to help, yeah. So, so mm, yeah. We, we do a lot of um, physical testing to measure, to measure the diaphragm position and the rib cage position and all of that too, as far as, you know, like what can you test for this? Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of physical testing in order to test um, yeah. where your body is and how it how it gets better. Which is why I Even adore like what you guys do. Even touch your toes. Yeah. That is a huge... Yes. And so the opposite of this would be getting a sheet of exercises from a therapist and them just expecting you to, one, understand them, two, do them on your own, and three, just do it blindly with no objective. So, yeah, I think... We crushed it. Yeah. Um, tell people what you're doing, and uh, you're are, are you still moving forward with the pelvic floor? Yes. Stuff? So I've been taking this time during quarantine to create an eight-week pelvic rehab program, and it first started off to be an eight-week postpartum program, and then I realized pretty much anybody with pelvic problems, back pain, hip pain, really needs this. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, that is what I've been working on. I'm about halfway through right now, so mm -hmm. I've got a little bit more to go. So hopefully we're going to get this out sometime towards the end of the month or beginning of June. And I'm really, really, really excited about it. I think Good. it's something that's not currently available and mm -hmm. so much I'm I'm just seeing core exercise and I'm not seeing the breathing aspect with it. So we tie it all together and um, optional to have sessions with me, kind of coach you through, which I, I always think is really important to have yeah. um, the professional, make sure you're doing everything correctly. And so, yeah, yeah. that's what I've been working on. And if you're in the Alexandria area, of course, she's a hands-on healthcare as well as virtual. Um, you also teach some group Pilates classes, I do, I do. and I think it. I think that's really cool that somebody can go into a group exercise um, boutique place and have a medical professional. Um, you probably enjoy it, is why you're doing it. But yeah. you know, having an extra trained eye is so rare. <laughs> it so is. I, I share they that don't info. Even know. Yeah, they don't. Even, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but I do, I do have a lot of clients come up to me before or after once they find out. And I've had some clients turn into patients as well. Mm -hmm. um, one client actually was like, I've been doing Pilates for a year and I've been, I had a baby 10 years ago and I'm still leaking and what's yep. going on. And it's, it's really hard to get deeper into the diaphragm. I'm like, that's the piece that you're missing. Mm. And that's what we have to work on. Wow. That's huge. So I'll share all of her contact info and some really fun stuff in the show notes. And of course, you can access our video if you choose to. Um, it won't be out there in the public. And because, you know, I think this is important knowledge, but you'll have to download it separately and get in touch with me. Um, other than that, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I... I'm so excited to give you guys this new perspective on how your body functions and how you can learn the most important thing ever, which is how to improve it. You're not just following a list. You should be really proud of yourself just for even hanging out and being a part of, um, I, I'll just keep saying it, the road less traveled, which is thinking before doing. <laughs> yeah, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you.